Let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. There was no sign of trouble late in the afternoon on Tuesday, January 12, 2010. People moved freely through the streets of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, as the workday came to a close. Children hurried home from school, and housewives made last-minute purchases for their evening meals. But at 4.53 p.m., people froze as the ground suddenly began to shake. Buildings toppled like toys struck to the ground. Steel was bent. Solid concrete turned to ashes. Cars were smashed and lives were lost. In a moment, the nation of Haiti was destroyed. For some, the earthquake in Haiti brought instant death without any chance to flee. For others, it brought days of pain and agony as the wounded flooded the hospitals. But for four-year-old Paul Derlis, the earthquake brought sudden bondage. Paul was playing freely on the ground floor of the story building where he lived when the entire structure collapsed around him, buried under mounds of steel and concrete. Paul could not move. He was trapped in a small cave inside the house, too small to dig his way out, too scared to know what to do, too frail to cry for help. All little Paul could do was wait for rescue. But God did not forget little Paul Derlis. Sixty hours after the earthquake, a neighbor passing by heard Paul cry out for his mama. Men were summoned. Cinder blocks were lifted. Wooden beams were moved. Steel was pulled back. And suddenly a shaft of light pierced the dark hole where Paul lay trapped. After nearly three days in bondage, Paul was free. God lives, the people shouted joyfully as Jean Marceline pulled Paul Derlis out from under the rubble. Indeed, God lives. And through God's mighty power, the oppressed are set free. Through God's mighty power, the captives are liberated. Through God's mighty power, the weak gain strength and those trapped begin to soar. The 2010 earthquake in Haiti was one of the greatest natural disasters known to man. Nearly 200,000 people were killed. Over 300,000 buildings were destroyed. But as terrible as that event was, there's an even worse disaster occurring in the world today. It's not a physical tragedy like the one in Haiti. It's a spiritual one. Every day, tens of thousands pass into eternity without Christ. Every day, billions of souls live in darkness, bound by Satan. Every day, fear, sin, hatred, and suffering trap billions of souls around the globe in a prison of despair. And though we may not see it with our eyes, men and women around us are trapped in a world turned upside down. Sadly, freedom is within reach, but the rubble of our ruined lives blocks our rescue. But God has not left us helpless. God has not forgotten his world. Just like someone came to rescue Paul Derlis, the Lord has sent someone to lift us up and deliver us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pull back the rubble and bring us out. Jesus came to deliver us. Jesus came to free us. Jesus came to give us the power to soar. That's the good news in our sermon today. With God's help, we're going to discover how you can get out from under the rubble and find freedom as you receive power to soar. But before we go further, let's bow our heads and pray. 
Almighty Father, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to free us from Satan's bondage. Thank you that you've called us to soar and given us the power to achieve our destiny to soar. We submit to you now, we bind every voice that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to liberate your people. Give us light to avoid Satan's deception. Help us to detect his tactics and let us know our authority in you that will enable us to rise up and break free and soar in Jesus' name. We thank you by faith, and everybody said amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine, put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, manifest your glory in me, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Truth For Today. It's great to have you with me today as I conclude the sermon series, Soar. God brought us together for a purpose, and I believe he's going to minister truth, freedom, and power to you today. If you believe it, say amen. Now, to help us learn the truth and find freedom and power, we've prepared sermon notes. You can download the sermon notes free of charge from my website, my Facebook page, and my YouTube channel. I invite you to get your sermon notes out now. Follow along with me, and we will learn the three steps to soar in power. There at the top of your sermon notes, you'll find our scripture reference for this sermon series. It's found in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. And I want to invite everybody, wherever you are, read it out loud together with me. Read it like you mean it. Are you ready? Here we go. Three, two, one, go. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. For the past month, God has been speaking to us from this powerful prophetic word in Isaiah 40. He's called us to soar this year, and we've been receiving inspiration and instruction on how we can soar in Christ. But as we come to the end of this sermon series, there's one powerful lesson we all need to learn. You see, in order to soar, you have to break free from every bondage that is holding you down. In order to soar, you need the power to lift you up and liberate your life. You cannot achieve the heights of God's glory when you're tied to the ground by Satan's power. In order to be lifted to a new level, you have to cut the ties that hold you back. So today, we're going to look at a powerful story from the book of Acts that will teach all of us how to receive the power to soar. Now, hear the word of the Lord from Acts 16, 16 to 18. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And instantly, It left her. 
The Bible tells us that a slave girl was being held captive by the devil. To the ignorant, it might not have seemed as if she was in bondage. The Bible says she could predict the future. The Bible says she earned a lot of money for her masters. But there's no doubt this young lady was in bondage. She was not only a slave physically, but she was also a slave spiritually. Yet by the power of God, she was set free. And in her story, we learn the three steps to soar in power. And here's your first step today. You must discern your enemy. The first step to freedom from bondage is that you have to have discernment. You have to know your enemy. When Paul and Silas met this girl, they had discernment that an evil spirit possessed her. Listen to Acts 16, 16. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. So Paul and Silas knew the difference between the spirit of God and the demon spirit possessing this girl. And if you're going to soar this year, you need discernment about your enemy. Discernment is one of the greatest needs in the church today, yet sadly, most Christians lack even the most basic discernment of spiritual matters. And when you lack discernment, you can't tell the difference between the work of the Holy Spirit and the work of Satan. See, a lot of people talk about the devil and pray against the devil, but they don't actually know the truth about the devil. If you take your belief about the devil from a Nigerian film show instead of the Bible, you're going to be deceived. Can somebody say amen? This is why there's so much deception and error in the church today. We've left the word of God. We're following men's teachings and made up doctrines. Some of the teaching going on today does not come from the Bible. For example, there are some churches today where they teach you to stomp on the ground so you can tell where the demons are. That's nonsense. If you don't know what the Bible teaches about Satan, you will be deceived. The destruction in your life will be huge. That's what happened to the first woman, Eve. Eve was deceived because she did not have any discernment. She didn't know her enemy. If Eve had known the devil was the one speaking to her, she would not have held a conversation with him. If she'd known that the serpent was Satan in disguise, she would not have listened to him. So you have to know the truth about your enemy. And the fact is there are two main mistakes people make today about the devil. They either ignore him or they focus on him too much. People tend to either disregard Satan's power and his attacks, or they give him too much regard. I do not want to focus on the devil, but I don't want to be ignorant of his attacks. He won't go away simply because you ignore him. He won't stop working just because you don't believe in him. So let's get a truly biblical view of our enemy, the devil, today. Let's cut through all the nonsense and see what the Bible really says about him. Because when you know his tactics, you can break free and soar. The first thing you need to know about your enemy is that he is an actual spiritual being. He's the adversary of God and his children with an agenda to bind people and keep them from soaring. For example, in Matthew 4, 1 to 11, the Bible says Jesus encountered the devil. The Bible says the devil came to him to tempt him. The devil spoke to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to him. And after the temptation, the Bible says the devil left Jesus and went away. So we understand that Satan is not some type of evil force. He's not some evil energy. He's not a concept or an idea. He is not a myth or a fairy tale. Satan is an actual created spiritual being. He was an angel in heaven 
who rebelled against God. And the fact is there is a spiritual battle raging between Satan and God. Whether you like it or not, you're in the middle of that battle. If you have the spirit of God in you, then you're going to come into conflict with the enemy. That's what we learned from the life of Jesus. In Luke 4, 18 to 19, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. See, Jesus knew his destiny. He was called by his Father to break the yokes and set the captives free. But right after declaring his destiny, in Luke 4, 33 to 37, Jesus met a demon, a spirit aligned with the devil. When Jesus stepped out to declare victory and soar, he immediately faced opposition. The Bible says that Jesus walked into the synagogue and a demon cried out, Leave us alone! The devil always wants God's spirit to leave him alone. And some Christians just want to ignore the devil. This man was in the synagogue all the time, but the Pharisees just left him the way he was. They probably didn't even know he was demon-possessed. And some churches are so religious, the demons feel at home in the worship. Hey! But friend, religion cannot deliver you. You can't solve spiritual problems with a natural mindset. When the anointed Jesus came into the synagogue, then the demon was exposed. And you need the presence of the Holy Spirit to expose the devil in your life. You need discernment to get deliverance. When the anointing is in your life, the demons will be seen and the demons will be cast out. Somebody say amen. That's what happened with Jesus. Acts 10.38 tells us, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Somebody say power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You need to get filled with Jesus. You need to get free from what binds you. Don't make the mistake of ignoring Satan. But there's another wrong response to the devil, and that is to focus too much on him. A lot of people fall into this trap. They see Satan everywhere. They blame Satan for everything and fail to take personal responsibility for their actions. Satan becomes a scapegoat for all your issues, even when the problem comes as a result of your sin. If you're not paying your tithe, don't blame the devil for your financial problems. If you're sleeping with prostitutes, don't blame the devil for your sexually transmitted disease. If you're stealing from your boss, don't blame the devil when you go to prison. The fact is, when you disobey the word of God, the problems in your life don't come from the devil. They come from your own wrong choices. So it's dangerous to ignore the devil, but it's equally dangerous to overemphasize the devil. Don't magnify his power. He is not God, and he cannot do what God can do. Here's the balance we need regarding the devil. It's found in 1 Peter 5.8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So hear what God is saying. Be alert. Watch out and realize you have an enemy. But don't overestimate his power. He's like a roaring lion, but he's not a lion. He's real, but he's not as powerful as you think. The devil is not who he says he is. 
He may try to impress you with his power, but he's a fake. He's not God. He's a fallen angel. He's limited in his power, in his knowledge, and in his ability. The truth reminds me of the story of the young man who was trying to court and impress a young girl he liked. So he told her, I'm working with the bank. What he didn't tell her was that he was the night watch at the bank. Well, she wanted to impress him, so she said, well, I'm at university. What she didn't tell him was that she was the cleaning lady at university. She cleaned the toilets. And that's what the devil does to us. He tries to come and impress us with his power. But do not overestimate Satan's power. You need discernment so that you can know your enemy. You can't judge by outward appearances. Some people look good on the outside, but they have no breath of God in them on the inside. God isn't interested in how professional or good we sound if there's no anointing in it. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. That's how it is for some churches today. Some churches look beautiful on the outside. The structure is impressive, and you think everything is copacetic. But when you get inside, there's no life. There's no anointing. There's entertainment, but no worship. There's interesting speaking, but there's no life-changing truth. And the devil doesn't mind if we have big churches that have no life and no anointing. He wants to choke the gifts of the Spirit out of the church. But the church is more than a social club. The church is more than a businessmen's gathering. The church is not a neighborhood association. We are the church of the living God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the people in whom God dwells with all his power, anointing, presence, and dominion. That's why Paul said, I did not come in enticing words, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you rise up to soar, there's going to be a struggle. The enemy wants to squeeze the spirit and anointing out of your life. And some of you are in a spiritual battle like never before. And you need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. You need discernment. The enemy has come to deceive you. And you need God to open your eyes today to give you the power to soar. You need to get a revelation today and discern the devil's deception and detect his tactics. And that brings us to our second step to soar in power. Detect your enemy's tactics. Listen to how our story continues in Acts 16, 17. The Bible says, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Once Paul discerned the presence of the enemy, he then detected the tactic of the enemy. He knew the enemy's methods of fighting us. That's why he said in 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11, I do so with Christ's authority so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. So Paul understood and detected the tactics of the enemy. What were the tactics of the enemy that we need to know as well? The devil wants to deceive you. That was what was happening with the slave girl in Acts 16, 16. It says a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. So understand that this girl could indeed predict the future. But her source was Satan, not God. She deceived people with a counterfeit. It was similar to the gift of the Holy Spirit, but it was not the genuine power of God. See, the devil is an imitator. He never has anything original. He never creates anything new. He cannot come up with anything good on his own, so he counterfeits the good things of God. 
That's why 2 Corinthians 11 tells us even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. And friends, you need to understand something today. Not every preacher who uses a Bible is a man of God. Even the devil quoted scripture to Jesus when he tempted Jesus. Not everyone who says, thus saith the Lord, is speaking from Jehovah God. Not everyone who prays in the name of Jesus is actually praying to Jesus. Not everyone who calls himself a pasta has been called by God. Not everyone who wears a clerical collar wears a robe of righteousness. Not every vision or dream comes from God. Not every prophecy comes from God. Many Christians are chasing miracles, signs and wonders and big crowds. You better be careful. You may end up following the Antichrist. For the book of Revelation says the Antichrist will perform great signs and wonders and the whole world will follow him. But he's an agent of Satan. And if you follow a man because he has a big crowd of miracles, beware. You may end up following the Antichrist. Consider that this girl was demon-possessed, yet she spoke the truth. She declared, this is a man of God. The right message in the wrong mouth is still deception. We see this clearly in the church today. There are many false prophets, false preachers, false bishops who look like they're proclaiming the truth, but they don't live the truth. The proof of a true man of God is not in his prophetic utterances. The proof of a true man of God is not in the miracles he performs or the great things he does. The proof is in his life and in his fruit. Many so-called men of God today may perform miracles, but they also misbehave. They don't behave like Jesus. They're proud and greedy and filled with hatred. They call good evil and evil good. They disobey the word of God and deny the Lord who died for them. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Jesus did not say, you will know them by their miracles. Some people think the devil will appear in a red cape with horns, a long tail, and a pitchfork. What you don't realize is that the devil often comes with a clerical collar and a big title disguised as a prophet. Our churches today remind me of the man who flew into a city. He hired a taxi to take him downtown. As he was riding along, they came to a red traffic light. But the driver drove right through the red traffic light. The man in the back panicked. He said, hey, driver. The light was red. You're supposed to stop when the light is red. The driver said, yeah, I know. But my brother does it all the time and nothing bad happens to him. Soon they came to another red traffic light. And again, the driver drove straight through. The man in the back was panicky. He said, you're going to get us killed. The light was red. You're supposed to stop on red. The driver said, don't worry about it. My brother does it all the time and nothing happens to him. Then they went along the road and they came to a traffic light that was green. But to the man's surprise, the driver stopped on the green light. The man in back said, hey, driver, the light is green. Green is the time to go. Why don't you go through? The driver said, well, I know it's green and I'm supposed to go. But you never know when my brother may be coming through on the other side of the road. Hey! Sometimes it seems as if the church is going through on red and stopping on green. That's what sin is. 
Sin is stopping on the green and going on the red. It's like we break God's commandments and we don't even feel guilty. We live in fornication. We steal money. We lie. We don't even feel guilty. We've fallen into deception and confusion because we've left the word of God and we've stopped obeying God. The devil wants to deceive you. Secondly, the devil wants to distract you. Acts 16, 17 says, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. So this girl was not only deceiving people, she was distracting people by trying to draw attention to man. And false prophets and false pastors always draw attention to themselves. Beware of any so-called man of God who's always exalting himself. Beware of any so-called prophet who wants to draw attention to himself. The Bible says God will not share his glory with any man. John the Baptist said, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Self-proclamation, self-exaltation, self-glorification. It's all self Self, self, and the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. Don't call yourself a prophet when all you want to do is exalt yourself. There's no room for the Holy Spirit and the flesh in the same place. That's why Romans 8, 7 to 9 says, For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. The devil wants to deceive you. The devil wants to distract you by drawing attention to a man of God or a prophet. The devil also wants to disturb you. Acts 16, 18 tells us this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, so disturbed that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Even the apostle Paul was disturbed by this girl. He became exasperated. To disturb means that you cause people to lose their peace. And the spirit of Jesus is the spirit of peace. You can't get free from evil by using evil means. You can't make a covenant with Satan to be free from Satan. The devil can never bring you peace. When there is opposition, it's often a sign of the presence of God in you. Some of us value peaceful coexistence more than anything. We think that if we're following Jesus, then people will never get angry with us. We think if people get upset or angry in the church, then the pastor must have done something wrong but it's often the enemy stirring up opposition. Do not criticize your pastor because he preached the truth and someone gets upset or angry. The enemy will not raise his ugly head when you do not preach the truth. The devil won't fight you when you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. The devil sits quietly and goes along with your flesh. But the moment you get the Holy Spirit anointing, the moment you begin preaching the truth and living righteous, demon spirits get agitated. And there was great opposition when Paul and Silas confronted the evil spirit. People got agitated. The apostles got arrested. But here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. You can't talk a demon out of someone. 
You can't counsel a demon. You can't reason with a demon. You cannot rehabilitate a demon. You can't give the demon another chance to change. When you're faced with a demon-possessed person, there's only one thing to do. You have to confront the demon in the name of Jesus and cast him out. That brings us to our third step to freedom and the power to soar. Defeat your enemy. That's what happened in our story in Acts 16, 18. The Bible says, and instantly it left her. And I'm here to declare to you today that there's power in the name of Jesus. He has won the victory. And the best news of all is that Jesus has given us his authority over the devil. That's why in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all. Somebody say all. To overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing will harm you. God has given you the authority and the power to overcome the devil. Jesus has overcome, and he gives you the power to overcome. Jesus rose up and ascended into heaven, and he gives you the ability and the authority to arise and soar. That's why Colossians 2.15 teaches us, he, meaning Jesus, defeated the rulers and powers of the spiritual world. With the cross, he won the victory over them and led them away as defeated and powerless prisoners for the whole world to see. And when this Jesus is in you, you have his authority. You will soar in power. For 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Let me make it clear right now. The devil cannot be compared to God. Many people, even some Christians, act like Satan is almost the same as God. He almost has the same power and abilities as the Most High God, Jehovah. But I declare to you today that there's no comparison between my God and Satan. There is nobody like my God. He's the great and almighty God, the awesome Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's the God who created the heavens and the earth. He has always existed and will always exist. He lives in eternity and rules over the universe. His throne is in heaven and his footstool is on earth. And the devil cannot be compared to almighty God. The devil is not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times at the same time. In fact, the devil can only be in one place at one time. That's why Job 2.2 says, The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. The devil was roaming on the earth. He wasn't flying. He was walking. He wasn't everywhere. He was in one place at a time. You know, many people believe the devil flies, but I don't believe that. I think he has to trek from place to place. Jesus himself said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. If Satan could fly, how could he fall from heaven? And since he fell, he's left trekking around the earth. He's not everywhere. He's only in one place at a time. A brother in one city says, the devil is after me. A sister in another city says, Satan is fighting me. A pastor in another town says, today the devil is tempting me. But friends, the devil is not everywhere all at the same time. He's not omnipresent. And not only that, the devil is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He doesn't know the future. He doesn't know God's plans. He does not know what you are thinking. That's why your confession is so important. 
The devil cannot read your thoughts. He doesn't know if his temptations are working on you or not. He doesn't know if you're discouraged or victorious in your emotions and your mind unless you speak. When you're down and you start complaining and talking badly, this will never work. Where is God? He's left me. The demons now know from your confession that their temptations and attacks against you are making an impact. So they increase their attacks. But when the devil comes to tempt you and try you, and you start praising God with your voice, they don't know what to do. They become confused. It seems our plans are not working, the demons say. So finally, they give up. The devil is not omnipresent. The devil is not omniscient. And thirdly, the devil is not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He has some power, yes. He's real. I'm not denying that. But I will not fear the devil, for I serve a living God who's all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present. My God knows everything. He has all the power in the universe. He's everywhere watching over me. The Bible says, when I lie down, my God knows it. When I get up, my God knows it. When I eat jalof, my God knows it. When I get dressed, he knows it. He knows all my thoughts and all my needs. He never slumbers. He never sleeps. My God is a mighty God, and he watches over me. So do not give the devil too much credit. Do not overestimate his abilities. He's not like God. He's merely a fallen angel created by God with limited abilities. And 1 John 3, 8 says, The Son of God came to destroy, everybody say destroy, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus didn't come to compromise. He came to destroy He didn't come to coexist with the devil. He came to destroy. There is no equal to Jesus. He alone is the Lord. And if you'll do what the word of God says, you will be free from what traps you and binds you. And you will receive the power to soar. For James 4, 7 tells us, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So obey the word of God found in Ephesians 6, 11 to 16. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. You don't have to be a prisoner any longer. You don't have to let the devil hold you down and squeeze the life out of you. I submit you to Jesus right now, and I command you, Satan and demon powers, flee from the people of God. I break every bondage in your life today, and I speak the power of the name of Jesus over your life. I speak freedom so that you can arise and soar. I speak liberty so that you can get up and achieve. I speak the breath of God on your life. Praise is going to break loose in your life. In the name of Jesus, I command you to breathe again. I speak truth and peace and power to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I speak the power to soar over your life today. Be free. Be lifted. Soar. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message 
Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Lagon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30, 9.30 or 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience. We're here all day.